thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. If you remember, we are in a new series about devoted, beyond ticking the boxes. And what we're talking about is really what does it mean for us to be those who love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as we would love ourselves. That we're looking at that early church in Acts, they were devoted not to things to do, but to the person of Jesus. And one of the first things that lets us know that they were devoted to was the apostles' teaching or the Word of God. And so today we are talking about God's story. But before we begin that, I'd like to have you take a quiz with me, if that's okay. So you're going to do one of two things. If you agree with the first statement I say, you will raise your right hand. If you agree with the second statement I say, you will raise your left hand. Now, if you're like me, you just have to go L left. Yes, okay, good. So, right hand if you agree with the first statement, left hand if you agree with the second statement. When I get a piece of furniture from Ikea, I first unpack it, make sure I have all the things that are on the instructions labeled, and then follow those instruction uh, labels diligently, and instructions diligently. If you agree with that, you'll put up this hand. Or I jump right in and begin to do it, hoping that all the pieces are there, and I will look at the instructions as a guide. Good? All right. How about this one? When making a meal, I like a recipe that allows me to know every step that I need to do, and I follow that with diligence, making sure I don't do anything wrong in order to ruin that meal. Or I see a recipe more as a guideline and like to add things or subtract things as I feel necessary. First statement, second statement, okay. Good. This might not uh, feel you know, like it relates to you, but when putting together a Lego set, I want to make sure I follow all of the instructions so it looks exactly as it looks on the box. Or I've never put together a set exactly like it is on the box. When we come to the Word of God, we tend to have one of those two ways of engaging with it. We look at it in a way that says, I must read it perfectly, do it exactly the way that it says that it should be done, in order to make sure I please God completely. Or we look at it and say, hopefully I'll get something out of this today, it doesn't necessarily matter what I'm reading from, but if I don't, eh, I didn't, and maybe I'll come back to it in a few days, weeks, months, years. But I think the Word of God, His story, is a grace that God has given to us, enabling us to lead devoted lives. 
So there must be a better way for us to walk than to just undervaluing it, meaning, well, it's good, it's an old book, it tells us some great stories, there's some weird things in there too, and I get to it occasionally, or overvaluing it. And by that, I mean we look at it and say, if I get everything right, if I have all the correct understandings, if I memorize it and put it into my heart, then I will be okay. And we make it more of an instruction manual or a way to be happy in life. Instead, I want to propose to you that we should begin to seek God's story as a tool or a gift of grace that enables us with the Holy Spirit to be devoted in our lives towards God through Christ. That when we think of God's story, this collection of 66 books, this library that we have that has poetry and history, that has personal letters, that has all sorts of prophecy, that it in fact is given to us in order for us to come to know the one it is written about. In the Jesus Storybook Bible, They say this as they're talking about the very beginning of the book. By the way, Jesus Storybook Bible, excellent book. You should grab that. It's perfect for children of all ages from 1 to 101. It says, no, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the one he loves. It's like the most wonderful of fairy tales that has come true in real life. You see, the best thing about this story is it's true. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story. The story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story. And at the center of the story, there's this baby. And every story in the Bible whispers his name. He is the missing piece in the puzzle. The piece that makes all the other pieces fit together. And suddenly you can see a beautiful picture. And this is no ordinary baby. This is the child upon whom everything would depend. This is the child who would one day... Oh, but wait, they say, our story starts where all good stories start, right at the very beginning. You see, when we come to the Bible, whether we are undervaluing it or overvaluing it, we miss that this is a story about Jesus from beginning to end that is bringing us into more than just an understanding, but bringing us into a place of deeper love and devotion of who He is. In order that we, by Holy Spirit, can see God high and lifted up. And so, when we look at that passage in Psalm 119.11, which all of Psalm 119 is about the Word of God and how it moves, But we see it says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
Now, if you're someone who undervalues the Word of God, then there's a place for you that says, well, I'll do that by bits and drabs, or I'll get what I can understand. But if I don't understand it, or if I disagree with it, then I'll leave it aside, because it must not be that important for me. And if we overvalue it, we say, yes, so I must have a regime of Scripture memory. And that if I can get book after book or passage after passage memorized and put into my own heart and head, then somehow it might get to my heart and I might be able to live right. Now, I'm not saying scripture memory is wrong. Here in a minute, I'll tell you that it's actually vital. But the problem is we sometimes decide that the Bible this story of God's great love for us is about gaining knowledge. And that's not what it's about at all. It's about gaining love. Deeper love for the one who has come to us. That it is in that knowledge that we move to a place of understanding and seeing God's miraculous work to bring us home again. To help us see who we actually are. And so we walk in a way that says, oh, yes, I don't need just more knowledge about God. I need to fall deeper in love with God and understand and see and believe how deep his love is for me. It's interesting there that it says, I've stored up your word in my heart, not my head. Augustine, when he's writing Christian doctrine, who's a great doctor of theology from long ago, wrote about love. And he says this, to love things in the right order so that you do not love what is not to be loved or fail to love what is to be loved or have a greater love for that which should be loved less. You see, as we walk our lives in this world, we have a tendency to have our loves become disordered. You see, there are small things that we should love a small amount. Reese's peanut butter cups comes to mind. I love them. I should love them a small amount, maybe even less than I do. There are medium loves that we have. Enjoying a win of a football team, maybe is one that we might have as a medium love. There are big loves, like my wife and my children and you all. And then there's the ultimate love, which is God, who first loved us. What Augustine says here is we have a tendency to disorder our love. And so what the psalmist and and, and what... uh, Paul says later in Timothy, and what we're reminded of is that this word, this gift of grace that is given to us is there not to just give us knowledge about God, but it is there to help us reorder our loves, to give us the ability to know when for some reason I've moved a small, medium, or large love into the ultimate love and have dethroned God in my heart causing me to walk a path of destruction. But because I'm falling deeper and deeper with God through his word, then I'm able to see when that disordering begins to take place. And I can go, oh, oh, wait a minute. 
the desires of my heart are not matching the things that God has put forward for me to love. I'm loving ultimately myself ultimately. And in doing that, it causes all my other loves to get disordered. But when we take the time to hide God's word in our heart, that means we're ruminating on it. That means we're letting it be a wellspring within us. And so, yes, that means you do have to know it. It's good to be in it, to allow it to tell the whole story of Jesus and who he is. And it's good to put it into our heads so that it can move into our hearts. So that when we encounter the disordering of loves in our heart, we can be challenged or urged or convicted to rearrange them. Not by our own strength, because as we get further and further into the Word, we begin to realize that it is by Holy Spirit's strength that we are able to do that. So, as we come to the Word of God as this great grace that is given to us to leave a more, live a more devoted life, we realize that it is from God to, as Paul says in Timothy, teach us and rebuke us, correct us, and train us for righteousness. And it doesn't do that in the way that is a bondage or a way that is burdensome. It is a way that allows us to move and have freedom because as our loves become reordered with the ultimate being the ultimate and our smalls being the smalls and our mediums being the mediums and our larges being the large, then we walk in the path of freedom that God created us to be. Trusting that he is gently, kindly teaching us and rebuking us, correcting us, and training us. And we all know, because at one point we were children, and you might be a child now, that we all still need correction. And it is not a correction that comes in painful ways, but a correction that comes in love to challenge us in order that we might discover who we really are. You see, when we come to the Word of God, we begin to see Jesus high and lifted up. And the storybook Jesus Bible actually says it the best. You see, no matter what, after sin has come, in spite of everything, God would love His children with a never-stopping, never-giving-up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Let me repeat that. God loves his children with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. That love is shown most clearly in Jesus Christ, in the incarnate word, you see, because the story is leading us to him. And when we see him, we see the word of God, God himself living among us, living the life that we should be living, following after the Father's commands, loving God and loving others as we love ourselves. 
And it is in that moment that we begin to recognize that when I come to Scripture, when I come to the Bible, the best way for me from beginning to end to interpret and allow it to be seen is through Jesus. Because He is the incarnate Word. That helps us in this way. There are passages and stories that are told at different parts of the Bible that when we encounter them, they are hard for us in our sensibilities and particularly our modern, so smart sensibilities to grasp and understand. But if we engage them recognizing that this story is over and above everything about the incarnate word, Jesus, And we see that Jesus shows us a father who says this, I will never stop, I will never give up, it is unbreaking, it is an always and forever love that I come to you. Then we recognize that sometimes that father allows his great mercy to be hold back so that we feel the damage and the bondage that us disordering our loves brings. And we suffer the consequences of that. But he said, I won't let it stand. I won't let it be that way forever. I will come and make things right. I will become flesh. And so when we encounter those stories, we can say, and we know Jesus did this. And that we see mercy and grace and truth poured out of that steadfast, unstopping love pursuing us. And so I want to encourage you in this way. Grab hold of the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Memorize the Word of God. Maybe you're like me, and you can memorize things decently. And so if you set your mind to it, you can go, yep, I'm going to memorize this particular passage and you work on it and maybe you even write it out and it becomes a, a skills test for you and you test yourself and then you get it done. Maybe that's how you do it. But you know what? It gets locked in there. And if you lock it in there so you can go, I've done it. I've memorized it. I set out at the beginning of the year to read the Bible all the way through again this year. And there was halfway through that I was like, I'm 20 days behind. Oh no, the Lord doesn't love me anymore. No, I mean, yes, but no. That's what I thought. But he did. And I've caught up. (laughs) But if I just do it and go, yep, tick, that does nothing for me. But if in memorizing I become that one that then loves God more deeply, and more than that sees how much God loves me and others, that's why the word was given to us. But, but maybe you're not like me and halfway decent at memorizing. Maybe you're like me and you can't get songs out of your head after you've heard them 15, 20, 30 times. Can I encourage you just to let the Bible be read to you? The amazing thing that we have today is all these apps, these crib sheets that we can go, oh, I want to hear this. And maybe just say for this month, I'm going to listen to this passage. Because I dare say, some of it will get taught. And God will work in that so that you will know how deep his love is for you. So maybe you struggle with reading and it's hard to do that. 
listen. Allow it to flow over you. Perhaps you look at the Bible and you say, it's all too confusing to me. Can I encourage you to read the Bible with somebody else? They might go, that's confusing to me as well. But guess what? You're both confused together and you can work to see what God reveals. Can I encourage you to join maybe a Bible study so that you can hear what God is saying with a group of people? Now, I'm not saying if you don't do that, God's going to love you any less or that you're not going to know how deep God's love is for you. It's all through the Holy Spirit that this is happening. <laughs> right? It's not the mechanism and the roteness of it. It's because Holy Spirit engages in those places. But oftentimes we'll talk about spending time with people and we'll say, well, it's not about quality, it's about quantity. Or it's not about quantity, it's about quality. That's the right way. It's not about quantity, it's about quality. Yeah, but you'll never have quality if you don't spend any time. So you have to have a little bit of quantity to be able to get to quality. And so, as those who are called to be devoted, not to an action, but to a person, God in his loving mercy and grace has given us his story so that we can walk to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others as we love ourselves. Let me just hit there just real quick because I know I sometimes do this in my own mind. Good. That means I need to know how to love myself better. No. What Jesus is saying there is you have no problem loving yourself. You know exactly how to love yourself. <laughs> He's saying if you would love others the way that you love yourself, <laughs> then you will be walking in the path I have designed you to walk in. Let me pray for us. Father, let us hear clearly your word, the incarnate word who comes to save us and bring us back into whole truth relationship with you, with ourselves, with all others in the very place that we live. Thank you for having a love for us that never stops and never gives up, is unbreaking and an always and forever type love. Jesus, if there's anything that's not from you today, I ask that it burn up and blow away. But if it is from you, may it dig deep into our hearts, bear fruit, and bring you glory and honor forever and ever. In your name we pray.